I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, a holistic look at music's effect on our everyday lives. On this show, we take a look at the prevalence of music, it's all around us, and the relevance of music. It does affect our everyday lives, whether we consider ourselves musicians or not. One way that music clearly impacts us is through its role in TV and movies. In fact, the very first episode of this podcast took a look at just how important music is in movie trailers. It is chosen very intentionally and strategically and is considered an integral part of the experience. I think we would all agree that the absence of music in trailers or the shows themselves would fundamentally change our viewing experience. Today, we're going to talk about the actual process of selecting music, matching the appropriate song to a scene in a TV show or film for full effect. Joining me today from Mission Viejo, California, is Jody Friedman, the founder of License Your Music, an online platform with courses about the world of music licensing. Jody is an award-winning songwriter, producer, recording artist, and music supervisor. He has worked with the major studios, trailer houses, and ad agencies for over a decade on music supervision projects that have included Won't You Be My Neighbor, Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner, and The Music of Strangers with Yo-Yo Ma. He's written and produced music for trailer campaigns, including The Handmaid's Tale, Ray Donovan, and Victorious. Welcome to Enhanced Life with Music, Jody. Thanks for having me, Mindy. I'm happy to be here. Well, Jody, I have been driving my kids nuts for years when we're watching movies because I add my own commentary to scenes that are clearly affected by the music in the background. Like, if you saw the same scene without the music, you would never know that something bad is about to happen. But that creepy string music starts in and you're like, oh, no, what's going down next? (laughs) Or I'm not I'm not sure this person can be trusted. You know, you just hear that music and you're like, "Uh," you know, you get that radar going up in your brain. But I have absolutely no idea what the process looks like for (laughs) selecting that music, like who does it, the timing of music selection. So I'm looking forward to you explaining a little bit to us today about how the sausage is made when it comes to pairing music (laughs) and scenes. You told me that as a music supervisor, you think about putting yourself in the shoes of the subject and imagining what type of story you want to tell. Tell us some more about this early part of the process. At what point do you get involved in music selection? Is it during actual filming of the scenes? Yeah, usually, no, it's it's usually not during the filming of the scenes. In fact, I can't think of one time where I was brought in while they were shooting. Um, if there's a supervisor on a project where there's an actual scene that involves like live dance choreography or a live band or anything mm-hmm. music related, in that case, that supervisor would probably be brought on set to coordinate. Okay. Um, but usually the music supervisors were, were brought in. I, I'm brought in in post-production. Um, and music's, it, it's still, as long as I've been doing this, it's, it's been like that. And I've been doing this for over a decade. It's, uh, it's the afterthought. You know, they, okay. uh, a lot of times the creators, uh, they have a script and sometimes the script has certain songs written into the script. Uh, so part of the job as a supervisor, when you're brought on board, is to go through the script and uh, 
do some, it's called spotting. You do some notes, uh, take notes on certain songs that they added to the script. If someone's cell phone rings, you know, you want to note that and say, are you going to want a song when it rings? Are you going to be using just tones? Because if it's a song, like what the ringtone is going to be. Exactly. Exactly. So you have to think about those things and, you know, you can take notes about musical ideas along the way. And then when you, when you go to meet with the director, the producer, whomever you're meeting with, you have your notes ready to go and you can talk to them about the creative ideas that you have for the film and more about more, um, you'll get their ideas as well. And film and TV are, are very different. We're talking, we're talking about films right now. So really, uh, so the, the process of adding music is significantly different. Well, yeah, because with, with films, a film can take sometimes a year, a year and a half from start to finish, but with Mm -hmm. TV, you get hired and there's, you know, there could be 13 episodes and you're cranking them out one week at a time. Okay. So it moves a lot quicker. And some of the times the songs are pre-selected and pre-put in the scenes and you have to go clear it. Other times you're very quickly trying to replace tracks that have been uh, tempt to picture, meaning uh, like an editor puts a song in that they thought worked for the scene and helped them cut the scene. And then um, they can't afford to license that song. So my job mm. as a supervisor is to go find suitable alternatives for them to uh, use that would be licensable. Okay. My guess is that it could be actually a little bit easier doing TV music because you do have those boundaries and you can't get too caught up in overanalyzing and just the committee effect of, well, I want this song and I want this song or that. Is that true or not? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's... Yes and no. It's um, TV's more challenging, I think, than film, for okay. sure, if I had to pick one. With the film, because of the time, there's usually, you know, there's more time to get the creative right, the creative dialed in. And uh, it's not like uh, I, I personally don't, I don't like sacrificing the quality for a, the rush of something, okay. you know, to try mm-hmm. to rush and get it out. Um, and sometimes that happens with TV shows. You just kind of, you're in a hurry and you'll just take what you can get. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do enjoy the thrill of it and the, the excitement around cranking something out really quickly and needing to just move on things. It does force you to be put in action. You know, it could be several weeks of being busy instead of, you know, one week I'll work on a film for say four hours that week. And the next week I might be working on it for 10 hours. And then when it comes down to the wire for the film, we're on like a, you know, 30 hour work week focus on that, that film. So it, it, there's a lot of variety and ebbs and flows with a film. Whereas with TV, it's pretty, it's pretty nonstop. It's pretty intense. Okay. And with either one, you come into play more in the post-production stage. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Usually not always. Sometimes if I get to meet with the director um, at the start of the project, I always, you know, someone starts talking to me about the project before they go in the post. It's just fantastic because it gets I a lot of, not all, but a lot of directors and producers, they don't fully understand what goes into music supervision. So to get to meet with them from the get-go, you can save them a lot of headache by talking through some of the potential issues that could come up in post. And it saves a lot of, you know, them having to rush out and suddenly try to raise another $100,000 to for the song they want. We can talk about it up front and say, do you really need this song? Because it's going to cost, 
X amount or around this much. And they say, yeah, actually I don't, let's replace it. And it, it's very different to have that conversation up front than to have it when there's a deadline, a quick deadline. I imagine. And it's mainly the director that you're working with in the process of selecting music. Yeah. Usually the directors, sometimes um, associate producers, uh, line producers. Sometimes it's uh, you know, the executive, the executive in charge of the project, the, the showrunner. Okay. Sometimes and it's the showrunner. How much leeway do they tend to give you? Are, are they pretty micromanaging? Like, no, no, I really want this and I want it this way and I want it that way. Or is it kind of like, just <laughs> do your thing. That's why we're hiring you. <laughs> yeah. It depends on the, the, the person. Okay. They, yeah. Some of them are very, um, I've, I've worked with directors that are very selective about their music and they're, they're very particular about music and they use the music to tell their story. So when they're filming, they have the song in mind that they want to use. That okay. happens, um, which is great because then they, they film it you know, it's one piece of art, one cohesive piece of yeah. art when they film like that. Yeah. Uh, and other people, uh, they just, you know, they, they're more have the editor mindset and they just, uh, they put it together, they make it look good and they throw some music in there just to cut with. And they know that, you know, Brent, let's bring Jody in and he'll, he'll help us with Vanessa. the music at the end. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, I imagine when you work with some of these different directors and different individuals, you probably get a sense of your working style. Do you tend to kind of gravitate towards certain ones? Like, oh, we work together really well. We have a good rapport here and kind of work more frequently with those. Usually I'll get called back by the same people uh, for the similar projects, but I'm I'm a pretty easygoing guy. I work well with everybody. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm open to working with anybody and I, I've never had any issues. Um, sometimes people will come back to me. Sometimes, uh, they're, you know, the, the if it's not the showrunner and the director's brought in on a project, if the showrunner has their go to music supervisor, mm -hmm. that person gets the project because the showrunner is usually making the final decisions. So it's, there's a lot of factors that go into, uh, getting, whether you get brought on board or not. Okay. Do music supervisors tend to kind of gravitate towards certain genres of movies like horror films or action movies or dramas or things like that? Yeah, it's a great question. I think supervisors, uh, it's, it's hard to find work as a music supervisor. So a lot of us will take anything we can get. And is it hard because there's a lot of you or because of right now with COVID with not a lot of films being made? There's not a lot of supervisors. There's probably, I mean, I guess it is a lot at this point, maybe 500, 600 in, in the guild. Um, and that's a U.S. guild. It, it is. It's okay. a guild of music supervisors. There's one in, there's a guild in Canada and, um, there's one in the UK and they're, they're set, we're setting up some more around the, around the world. And that's music uh, supervisors just for TV and film. Or does it include no, other? No, no, it's, it's other. It's any, too. anyone who music supervises can join the guild. Okay. Um, uh, music supervisors, music coordinators can join the guild. You can even join as a friend of the guild if you want to be invited to certain events. Mm. But uh, your question about why is it, um, why would we take what we can get? It, you know, there's some projects that they don't bring in a music supervisor at all because they select the music and they have a legal team and that's it. They, they select the music, the legal team clears it uh -huh. and they don't, they don't want a music supervisor's opinion on things. Um, so when you get brought in to supervise, uh, it's, especially if it's a new project, it's the start of a relationship and 
entertainment business. It's really not the music business. It's the film business. And that business is so built on relationships and creating long lasting relationships. So you continue to work together on future projects. Okay. Is it similar to, okay, I'm decorating my house and I I can handle this decorating myself. I can pick out my own colors and stuff like that. Or someone who's like, I have no idea. I need to hire someone who knows what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So part of it could be your own level of competency in terms of the director's level of what they feel they're capable of doing. And then it could also be budget related. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, the, The best thing about a supervisor um, be outside of the creative, you know, we're, we're steeped in music all day, mm-hmm. every day. Um, so a music supervisor can come in and elevate your project and make it really shine. Um, you know, we, we treat music as a supportive role. So it's, it's supporting the film, it's supporting the video, mm-hmm. um, unless there's a scene where it's a montage or an end credit or a main credit and the music is featured, or if it's a musical, of course, in that case, the music's meant to shine, but really it's, it's the film that's supposed to shine. So our job is to support the creators, uh, in that process. Um, but more than that, a supervisor can come in because of our relationships and with the major publishers and the record labels, someone going out on a film that's not a supervisor that doesn't have those relationships and trying to clear a song or secure the rights and say, you have a song, you, um, from a popular artist and you go out blindly and just say, Hey, what will it cost? They're going to charge you top dollar. If we go to them, uh, we'll be able to tell you this is the range of what they'll charge. And we'll be able to go to that, to the majors. And, you know, we know what's fair market value. Mm-hmm. We know what, what we licensed it for the previous project on. So we can go to them and say, Hey, you know, we're doing another film just like the last one. Can we do the same deal? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, instead of blindly reaching out, they're going to, they're going to quote what they want to quote. Sure. Well, I can see what the appeal would be to certain movies wanting specific songs by very popular artists or songs that have historical meaning or sentimentality, uh, whether it's the Beatles or something else. It seems like there would also be a real bonus, though, to including songs that are completely new and original and have not been published in any way, shape or form in it really connects the listener's mind with this particular movie. Is that the case? Absolutely. There's, there's great value in connecting with the new artists, up and coming bands, indie artists. It happens all the time. Um, there's so much great music out there that doesn't get noticed or heard. So to be able to put those bands in a project is really rewarding. Um, and the project itself, if they find someone who, especially in this day and age with social media has, you know, a ton of followers that person's going to promote to their fans. They're going to see the film. It's it, it all, it's all cyclical. It, it, it works, you know, everything works together there. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. What are, what are some other things about the process of selecting music for scenes that I don't even know to ask? Like, what are some things that are sort of interesting about that process that most people don't even know about? Uh, well, <laughs> a lot of the job, I think a lot of people, assume that a music supervisor's job is all of that. It's just creative and selecting songs um, and getting to do all the creative, but that's, that's about 25% of the job. 75% is admin and research and clearance. Um, but yeah, when, when it comes to selecting a song for a scene, it's just, it's really fun to sit down with a scene. And like you said, at the beginning of the episode, 
if you press mute on a scene, and that's what we do, we get sent a scene that has a temp song in it, and then mm-hmm. you know I'll, I'll import it into Logic or Premiere, and I'll mute the audio and watch it without any music, mm-hmm. and then I'll just think creatively what what's going to work here musically. Does it feel like it it should have some electronic elements? What's the what's the vibe of this project? A great example is um, one of my favorite projects that I worked on was called, um, it was an anime series for Netflix called Ingress, Ingress the Animation. And it was based off of a, a um, very popular video game. Like um, there's portals and it's interactive. It's an AR game. You can people around like Pokemon, like Pokemon mm-hmm. Go. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I could create, uh, compare it to. Yeah. So they made this, this anime series. And uh, initially it was scored by a team in Japan and they wanted to make it more Hollywood. So they put together a team of a, 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 um, a Hollywood team, like a myself, a composer named Jacob Yaffe, a sound designer named Lisa Fowl. And we've worked on projects before. And they brought us in and then a post-supervisor. And our task was to re-examine the, the, the score, which at that point, there were no songs in it. It was all score. So we had to strip out the score from certain scenes well, all the scenes, Jacob had to rescore it. And then for certain scenes, we had to um, just from scratch come up with songs that creatively worked. So, so it in, had an original score that had been used with the original film and they wanted to make it more Hollywood. And so just replace that score with songs. Um, yeah, with both score and songs. It, so it, it was a series that... Um, Fuji TV in Japan had, and it was brought to Netflix. Netflix came on board and the consensus was we wanted to replace the score to update it, to make it sound more Hollywood. Uh, So at first they brought Jacob in and Jacob got to work on the score. Um, They brought me in around that time, but I didn't get started really with everything until Jacob was a good three weeks into his score you know, then I was tasked with watching the scenes that we wanted songs in, um, not just to lighten Jacob's load because he had, I think it was 11 episodes to score. Uh-huh. Uh, and they were, the episodes were about 26 minutes, but it's still, it's a ton of score. It's a ton yeah. of work. And, and because of the vibe of the fact that it's this t- like technology based electronic mm-hmm. thing, we tried, we tried a lot of different things in the score and some of the, in some of the scenes we used, you know, EDM electronic kind of music, but other scenes we used some acoustic organic music that really added a human element to the characters. Mm. Um, it made them feel more real. And I found that watching it, you know, when it's a cartoon, when it's an anime, when it was all electronic the whole time, it feels artificial. Uh, when we use this, this, these acoustic finger picking, you know, really nice vocal piece with, um, I can't remember the band. Uh, the band's called Plants and Animals. It's one of my favorite pieces in the, in the show. Um, and they're out of, I want to say they're out of Vancouver or Portland, somewhere up, somewhere up there. Uh, and it was really organic and acoustic. And I just, I loved how it, it changed the entire feel of the scene and you were really drawn in to the scene because of that. You really connected with the emotion of these characters and it made them feel real. Wow. Yeah. So that really gets into some of the psychology of it too. In fact, 
I heard a psychologist talking once about how music can even be used to direct the eye within film. So for example, if you want the viewer's eye to sort of move up, you can include music that is going up in pitch and it helps kind of direct the eye up. Do you get involved in any of that stuff too? I've never heard that before. Really? Oh, I'll send you the link. That I think is awesome. The movie is Score. I think that's what it's called. I'll look for sure and put the link in the show notes. But it was a psychologist, I think, out of Kilimanjaro, Michigan, who was talking on the show. And they had some of the big directors and stuff on this. But they were talking about the process of putting an original score to films. So, yeah, I'll send you the link. <laughs> oh, I'm definitely going to borrow that. That's so cool. <laughs> hmm. uh, well, cool. Well, I could talk to you forever about this. And you're so articulate and do such a great job of explaining it. But just quick, I just want to respect your time here. Quick, tell us how you got into this line of music work. Uh, I started as a singer-songwriter for many years. I started when I was writing songs when I was 14 and was in and out of bands. And uh, out of school, I worked for CNN. I got a job at CNN. My major was TV production. Okay. Uh, and I grew up in Clearwater, Florida. So I got a job in Atlanta, Georgia, closest big city to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I was an audio tech. And from there, I went to, uh, well, I wrote a song. There was a talent show at CNN. And I wrote a song called The Prompter Song about working the teleprompter. Uh, which you can still see on YouTube, actually, if you Google oh. the, prom- the prompter song, Jody Friedman, you'll find, you'll find my little broadcast 20 years ago on CNN. Okay. Uh, but it, it, not only it did it do that, you know, I got to perform it at the, at the company talent show in front of all the executives and it got me a meeting with the president the next day. And, um, I'd applied for a job in New York and he basically said, how'd you like to go? So it got me to New York and in New York, I was still working at CNN and still gigging. I was working on the show, Nancy Grace as an audio tech. And on the way to a gig, the executive producer, his name's Dean Sicoli, stopped me in the hall. We started talking to music, just connecting on music on a, on a personal level. And he said, you know, we need this theme song for, for the show. Do you think you could put something together? I said, yeah, yeah, I'll put something together. So I went home. I opened up my Mac. I opened up GarageBand. I threw together some loops from GarageBand <laughs> and did a light mix on it. And I was very, very much an amateur producer at the time. I brought it in the next day and it ended up getting used as a theme song on the show. Okay. So I didn't know about publishing, but I knew enough that there was some money to be made, even though I didn't get I, I did a gratis license because I worked for them. I didn't get a license fee. Okay. So, but I kept my, my, um, performance rights, my, my royalty income. So I went to the, in, in Time Warnerstetter, there was, um, a Borders bookstore. So on my breaks, I started going to Borders and looking up books about publishing. And I started reading and really studying publishing and fell in love with this idea that you can make money from not only from music, but from the song, which was my, and is my, my, greatest passion. So from there, long story short, I, well, I quit my job in 2005. My wife quit her job. We headed out West landed, um, sorry, 2006 landed in LA 2006. I started my licensing company, started pitching other, I've learned very quickly after taking meetings with other supervisors that I couldn't just represent myself. Um, that was not going to be a sustainable career. So I started representing other 
writers, other artists. And then in 2008, a friend of mine from Florida, his name's Luke Kasdan. He called me up and said, I need you to come down if you're interested to play this role in my film. I played a role, I played the role of Ryan Adams in the film, another musician. He thought I looked like him. (laughs) So I was playing the role and I, I went to Luke and said, do you have a music supervisor for the film? He said, no, how'd you like to do it? (laughs) (laughs) I said, sure, I could help. Because at that point, I'd been doing licensing for about a year. So I I had a good understanding about the the selling side of it and the, you know, the mechanics of it. Uh So it it was baptism by fire. He threw me in (laughs) on his film and I had a, I think it was a $40,000 budget. And we had about seven or eight songs to clear, including Alexi Murdoch and Ryan Adams and Whiskey Town. And, um, I had to reach out to Adam Duritz from Counting Crows. And, um, it was a, it was a great first experience and, you know, that job led to the next, led to the next. Uh-huh. And um, music supervision for me was kind of, you know, here and there until 2015. 2015, it really picked up. I linked up with um, Morgan Neville, who's an Oscar-winning director from Tremolo Productions. And I got working on his projects, um, including um, the Yo-Yo Ma documentary, uh-huh. uh, Yo-Yo Ma and the Music of Strangers, which is on H- uh, HBO. And... Um, we worked on Won't You Be My Neighbor, the Focus Features film. That was Morgan. Um, Ugly Delicious, Breakfast, Lunch, Dinner for Netflix. And uh-huh. now I'm linked up with Maggie Phillips, who's just one of the greatest music supervisors. I have such high, high regard for Maggie. And I'm helping her as a, a music coordinator on projects. Uh, and it's just been, it's been really great. I really enjoy what I do. I'm very lucky, very fortunate to do what I do. And, um, you know, since COVID hit and things slowed down, I started this online course for, you know, I, I saw this. Yeah, I'm glad need. you're bringing that up because you founded a online course to teach people about learning the art of music licensing, right? That's right. There's a, there's a big gap in the market, I think. And even I'd say seven, eight years ago, there were no courses in, in music supervision. Uh, nowadays, there are courses, physical courses you can go to at, at Berkeley and UCLA and take courses in supervision. But there's really not an online course. So I'm, I've launched licenseyourmusic.com. And right now our masterclass is, is about to launch. And that's, um, that's going to be a music licensing masterclass. I do, do plan to have a course in music supervision as well, among other things. So, um, anyone listens, listening that's interested in learning more about licensing and supervision and that they're, they're tied together when you're in music licensing, you have to understand the, the principles of music licensing to really understand how to music supervise. So anyone listening that's interested in either, please come by the course. You can opt in and there's a free ebook you can download and a lot of free content coming out. I'll be launching my own podcast in the new year as well about specifically about music licensing. So uh, it'll, it'll be a license your music podcast too. So. Oh, fascinating. Well, that answers my next question, which is if a listener is hearing this and thinking, that sounds really interesting. I'd like to check that out some more. I might be interested in that. I was going to ask what you recommend. And that sounds like a great way for them to learn more information. What kind of a background is typically needed for that kind of role? It can be, you mean to... To be a music supervisor. To be a music supervisor. Um, You need to be passionate about music, all kinds of music. Um, it's, you can't really be biased as a supervisor to, uh, music because different projects will call for different things. 
So if you're the type of person that says, man, I just can't stand country music. I never sure. listen to country. That won't serve you well as a supervisor. You have to sure. understand and respect, you know, talent across the board. Mm-hmm. Really, that's, there, there is no, there are, there is no stable path right now for a music supervisor that I can think of. That's part of why I'm doing the course is to create that path. Okay. So, um, I mean, I'm, I hate to plug it again, but <laughs> no, it sounds really, like a great opportunity. Really come by and check it out and, um, you know, start with the business. Understanding the business is really key to your success. If you go in as a creative and you don't understand the business, not only will you get taken advantage of, but you'll just be lost when you get brought on a project. And mm-hmm. I mean, the best thing to do is to befriend. It's going to be your friends, filmmakers, the the kids that if it's a, if it's a, I say kid, if it's someone mm-hmm. who's young in high school or mm-hmm. coming out of college and they want to pursue music supervision, you know, take some courses, but look to your peers because it's a long game. It's a relationship game. And your buddy who's in film school is going to need a supervisor at some point. Mm. Great recommendation. Well, I ask all my guests to close out our conversation with a musical ending, a coda, by sharing a song or story about a moment that music enhanced your life. Do you have a song or story that you can close us out with today? Yeah, this this was a, a really tough question because I I have a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, one of the stories I like to tell is um, just an example of how you shouldn't give up on your songs. And if you really stay focused and you have, you visualize your goal and you continue to visualize it and put it out there in the world, it can, it can happen. And it, it happened for me with a song I wrote in 2011 with, there was a, a brief that came across my desk for the final Twilight film. And they wanted songs for, for the film. I think it was for an end title. Um, but, I wanted to pitch to it. I wanted to create something custom for it. So I called some friends of mine that they're in a, in a band in Orange County here in California. And, uh, the band's called, I hate you. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) Jeremy and Jessica, they're now married and have a kid and, um, they're great people and incredibly talented. So we got together in my town home and we wrote a song for twilight. The song's called pure as snow. And we produced it from scratch there in the, in the townhome. We tracked the kick drum, you know, each drum one at a time because it couldn't fit in the room. So we tracked each one one at a time and we, we created our drum track and I mean, literally did it from scratch. Wow. Um, we then decided that, you know what this song really needs is a, a children's choir. That'd be really cool. So I reached out to a friend who taught a children's choir in, um, Segundo, El Segundo. So. We tr- went into the studio and we tracked a children's choir, which was so much fun. Uh, there were about 12 kids and we put them up in groups of four and three microphones. And I sat, I literally conducted, I'm not a conductor, <laughs> but I used my hand to kind of keep them in rhythm. And, you know, the, the lines they had to sing was, all we are pure as snow. Hunt for peace, dream of home. And that just repeated and repeated and repeated. 
Um, and it was a little slower than that. But okay. um, so they sang that over and over again. And we got them tracking. We got some great takes. And we put it on the track. And we didn't get the spot. So all that work, right? And we didn't get the Twilight spot. But I knew it was a great song. And I kept pitching it over the years. And then when I started in 2015, I started my my trailer label. It's called Collaborate Music. CollaborateMusic.com. And we reimagined the song for trailers. We paired up with a trailer composer, which is what we do at Collaborate. And we we trailerized the song which means we deconstructed it and rebuilt it hmm. and we used the vocals and we used the children's choir and we rebuilt it with orchestration i think we kept some of the guitar i think some of the, the lush guitars um, but everything else was pretty much rebuilt uh, and then that was 2015 in 2017 it got licensed for the handmade sale trailer season okay. one wow. so it took six years from conception to license mm-hmm. but we finally got a placement with it and it was awesome and it's you know my highest stream song on spotify and yeah. you know it's just a great a great success story uh, and uh I, I love that story because it's you know determination is really what it takes to succeed in this business you have to be really determined uh-huh. and you have to be able to handle rejection mm-hmm. um and brush it off and just move on to the next uh, especially in a business with artists, we're all very sensitive people. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's, that's really important. So that determination is what's going to drive you to, uh, to succeed. That's awesome. Well, I'll include a link in the show notes for the trailer for Handmaid's Tale that uses this song. And what we get to hear now is the original song that you wrote in 2011. Yeah. Yeah, Pure as Snow. So this is from the YouTube video of Pure as Snow. If you want to watch the whole thing, go ahead and go to the show notes, and I'll include a link in the show notes to that as well.
Thanks so much to Jody for sharing this song and its story and giving us a look at the world of music, supervising and licensing. If you're interested in learning more about this world, check out licensuremusic.com for tons of information and a free download of Jody's book. Thank you so much for joining me today. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music. <laughs>